uh, taken on this message, the power of agreement. The power of agreement. And I like always to uh, get to my wife anytime I'm up here because she can get me till I get back home. She warned me, please don't go back to this agreement thing. <laughs> don't talk about that anymore. We already heard enough, she says. <laughs> and I said nothing, and I'll go back to what she told me not to do, and go, where's Pastor Al? I'll go home with him tonight after this. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, the power of agreement. I believe unity is so powerful in the things of the Spirit that we really need to understand it. I think God made it very clear to us about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they're one. They're one. And so if we can be one as God is one, three personalities in one, and God that's up in heaven, and then on earth as well, and God saying, if two of you on the earth shall agree concerning anything that they shall ask, it will be done. Just two people. Just two people. Angela, just two people <laughs> agree on the earth concerning anything. She warned me, never go there. Well, I'll go there. <laughs> when you're up here, nobody talks back to you. So you're free. <laughs> <laughs> this is my warning to her. This is my warning to her. Never tell me what to do again. <laughs> oh. Where's Pastor Al? I'm going. <laughs> I'm digging myself really deep right now. Right now. And the guys are agreeing with me. You finish this. <laughs> Where did we get to this place? <laughs> how, how did we get here? I'm sorry. Well, back to the message. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Man, don't follow my example. <laughs> you, won't <laughs> you won't enjoy it. Right? <laughs> all right. Just if two of you, just two individuals agree on the earth. And Jesus said there are things that we must bind. And there are things that we must lose. God will not lose them for you. You have to lose them on the earth. And once you lose them on the earth, then it's loosed in heaven. Last week I came, and I came talking to you about how God told Adam to name the animals. That's very significant. It's whatever Adam called those animals, that's what God called it. God never had any idea of what Adam was going to call them. He's God. He knows everything. But he allowed Adam to use his mind and to say, that's an elephant. And from that day, both heaven, the angels, demons, and God himself, they all agree that's what the name is. That's an elephant. Because Adam said, it's an elephant. 
because Adam is given the earth to tend. That was Adam's domain. And that hasn't changed. So until you allow it, it, heaven cannot allow it. Until you name it, heaven cannot name it. If it took Adam three days to name an animal, God waited until he came up with the name. So you have authority on the earth. And the more people you have agreeing on the earth, the more powerful it is. Every time you pray and it's coming from your mouth to God, he hears it. You are inviting heaven to do something on the earth. Heaven wants to do something on the earth. Heaven wants to do good on the earth. But until you agree with heaven and ask for it, it's not done. Pray this way, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, God's will is done. But on earth, never. Until a man on the earth is asking, I want your will done. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, that's when God is going to heal the land. So if God's going to heal your land, you have to be asking him to do it. And once you open your mouth to talk to him, he answers. We don't just come here on Wednesdays to speak and say, well, let's pray. Because this is a, uh, some kind of a spiritual exercise. If I don't pray, I, don't, I won't go to heaven. You can go to heaven without saying a word of prayer, except accepting Jesus into your life. But you won't have heaven's blessings on your life until you open your mouth and begin to call for it. So that's the important thing. There are things to lose, then there are things to bind. Jesus won't just tell us, whatever you bind on earth, and then there is nothing to bind, but he's telling us to bind. We have to be binding some things. So if it's not according to God's will, you have to bind it. If it doesn't make sense to you, and it's hurting your life, that cannot be God's will. So you have to bind it. If you agree with it, it stays there. If you bind, because if you agree with it, that means you've turned it loose. And heaven will also turn it loose. He didn't tell you whether you bind what's good or what's bad. It's what you bind that's bound in heaven. Whatever you bind and whatever you lose. If you don't like it, bind it. Don't tell pastor to bind it. You bind it. You can tell another person to agree with you. And if they're in full agreement, then the binding is stronger. But we have to bind. It's what we bind on earth that is going to be bound in heaven. So I came up with five things, that, five different things that we have to bind or lose. First one is sin, and the other side of it is forgiveness. Number two, fear, and the other side is faith. Number three, sickness, and the other side of it is health or healing. Number four, selfishness. That's a lot of trouble. And the other side of it is love. 
Number five, demons. And the other side of it, the power of the Holy Spirit to free. And so we'll be talking uh, about this. Hopefully, we'll finish this message tonight. Lock the door. Make sure no one gets out of here. (laughs) Even if it takes an hour. Sin is very binding. Sin can strap you down so you can't move. Forgiveness is freeing. We have to bind the power of sin. Jesus has already paid for the power of sin to be broken in our lives. Every one of these things that we're going to be talking about, Jesus paid the price fully. Remember he said on the cross, it is finished. Sin is very destructive. In our human nature, we're enticed by it. But it's not good for us. If we protect it, it will destroy us. That's something we must bind. But we must turn loose of forgiveness. Forgiveness is very, very freeing. Once you have the Holy Spirit in your life, you have a great power. This may be a little different, but it's the truth. To turn loose of forgiveness. To free people. And to free yourself. Forgiveness will free you. In John 20... Chapter, uh, verse 22 through 23, Jesus was speaking. He says, the Bible tells us, And when he had said this, he breathed breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. This was before the the day of Pentecost. But what he was actually saying right now, this was after he rose from the dead. He breathed on them and said, Now you can receive the Holy Spirit. Is God breathing on them like He did with Adam? They had new life. And then He told them to receive the Holy Spirit. And then He said, If you forgive the sins of any, if you forgive the sins of any, They are forgiven them. As a man anointed by the Holy Spirit, if you forgive the sins of anyone, anyone, that's you, if you forgive their sins, the sins are forgiven in heaven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained in heaven. That's pretty powerful. Uh, Think about it. Those are not my words. Those are his words. Forgiveness has to be given freely. This gives me an understanding of Mark chapter 2. When these people brought this fellow from the roof, they opened the roof, 
And they let down their friend that was paralyzed. And he says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, son, your sins are forgiven you. And the people started to protest, how can a man forgive sin? Blasphemy, they said. And then Jesus said to them, which is easier to say to the man who is a paralytic? Is it easier to say to the man, your sins, just to speak words, your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, rise up, take up your bed, and go home. But for you to know, he said, for you to know that the Son of Man has power on the earth. That the Son of Man has, not Son of God, Son of Man, meaning a man who is anointed of the Holy Spirit. Not any man. Receive the Holy Spirit. So, whosoever sin you forgive shall be forgiven them. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on the earth. On the earth. Because this is our, this our domain. When you have been anointed of God, you have the power to release forgiveness. And if you don't release forgiveness, it hurts you. You got to release it. That's not something to bind. It's something to get loose. That the Son of Man has power on the earth. As long as you are on the earth, we've taken his place. So you let turn loose of forgiveness, and the person is forgiven. Paul wrote about the man who had committed adultery with his, uh, his father's wife. Paul said, look, you guys forgive him. He suffered enough. Forgive him, and I'll forgive him. And he said nothing much about heaven. Just us. Why? Because Paul knew if they forgive, heaven will turn him loose. And he's free to be himself and to flourish in life. Because he's been forgiven. When a person needs forgiveness and you keep binding them with unforgiveness, he hurts you. That's just the truth. So we must bind sin and we let go of forgiveness. Let me read this scripture to you, the importance, the way to handle this. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 18. It says, if your brother sin against you, go and tell him his fault. Between you and him alone. Between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained the brother. You know what that's saying? Because as you go down further, further in this same area of scripture, he's saying, if two of you shall agree. If he sin against you and he's not asking for forgiveness, there is no agreement. You can be in agreement. So it won't work. So Jesus started before telling us to agree and to bind and to lose. He is saying, take care of this problem first. So that you can be in agreement. 
Husbands, forgive your wives. And wives, forgive your husband. But the principle, principle must work. You have to ask for it. So you got to let the person know, you wronged me here. I don't accept, oh, I, I forgive you. When the person hasn't asked for forgiveness, the scripture don't say that. You have to give them an opportunity to ask. It says, go to them because it's very important. Go to them. If he's hurting you, go to them. You hurt me here. If they listen to you, then you gain your brother. So when they've hurt you and you haven't spoken to them, at that point, you don't have your brother. According to the scripture. Can you see what's going on? You've lost your brother. Your brother is gone. You can't gain him. Every time you bring the person in, you gain that person. Every time there is room for unforgiveness and there is room when the person has asked for it. Remember, follow scripture. Follow scripture. When they haven't asked for it or you haven't given them opportunity to ask for it, you've lost that person. And you're less than what you're supposed to be in the sight of God if you gained your brother. Preach scriptures. So we must forgive. He said, go, if he listens to you, you gain your brother. But if he does not listen, take one other person. So you got two others, one or two others, along with you that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So you you do it scripturally. You know, we've really gotten away from this, uh, you know, because we use the term uh, uh, forgiveness loosely. There are times people hurt you, but they don't intend to hurt you, but you still hurt. And you know they didn't intend to hurt you, but maybe just in a case like that, maybe you can just you can let go. But if if it's intentional, you better talk to them. And if you don't, you're in trouble, and they're happy. Because they don't know. But you lost your brother. So you take two people, maybe they can persuade him. Why is Jesus going through all of this? Because to gain your brother, so that they can be in agreement with you, uh, to gain your mate in the home, especially in a home, to gain your mate so that two of you are in agreement is very powerful in heaven and on the earth. Nobody can stand you guys being united. That's why if you read through the scriptures in the New Testament, unity, 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 unity. And as a pastor, I watch against those things. I get very upset when there's a potential for disunity. It's very important. Unity is very important. So go, tell. It says if he refuses to listen, then tell the church. And if he, if he doesn't listen to the church, uh, make him a Gentile. Or a Republican, sorry. A publican. <laughs> a 
the Republicans, you guys forgive me. <laughs> but that's what Democrats like to believe Republicans are public. <laughs> so make him a Gentile and a tax collector. Then he went in verse 8. He said, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth. So after talking about forgiveness and gaining your brother, then he's saying, the reason I'm telling you this is truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth is loosed in heaven, including your brother that you refuse to let go. That you've lost. All of these things are important. It will be rough when they say, please forgive me. And I am uh, not going to let go. Uh, you don't know what you did to me. Guess who's going to pay the price the most? You. You. Many times, the guy who is holding in forgiveness is hurt and can't sleep at night, tossing back and forth, having heartburns and all of that. The guy they are holding on forgiveness, he's sleeping and having fun. Glory to God. He's not even aware of it. I'll forgive them. They're not worth it. Excuse me? <laughs> if the guy is a real troublemaker, won't listen, he just let go. But this is a very important issue. You've got to let go of of unforgiveness because he's saying bind that and let God flow in your life it's so important it's so important I don't have to agree with everything I have people in my life today that and I think my wife and I have talked about this afternoon I've decided you know it's not going to work no matter what you do I can talk about them without that you know the pain feeling inside they hurt me I've decided the season is over. Just let him be. Because I can't make it. I can't change anybody. I can pray for them, but I can't change anybody. So I can tell them, it's okay. We can do our separate things. There's no enmity there. But I, I don't have to be friends with everybody. But I can still love them. Jesus didn't eat with the Pharisees. Just some of them that accepted him. He only went to places where he was celebrated. Jesus never sat down with Caiaphas to eat. He knew they hated him. He knew they wanted to kill him. But did he die for them on the cross? He did. He even asked his father to forgive them and made an excuse for them. They don't know what they're doing. I'm sure they're saying, did you hear that? He said, we don't know what, we're killing you. But he made an excuse for them. You don't have to be your friend, but you can still forgive. That's just the truth. Because sin is binding. Forgiveness gives freedom. First to you and to the other person that you really sin. It's very important. In my life, I, I think the greatest pain that I've gone through with uh, unforgiveness was when I was with uh, Pastor, I, uh, Pastor Addison because of this fellow 
in, that was my roommate that I taught how to cook Nigerian stew. That's very important to me. But before long, this fellow was teaching me, a Nigerian, how to cook Nigerian stew. And he'd be yelling at me, you don't know what you're doing. I said, this is Nigerian stew, you know. And he writes, it's funny when people are on the wrong, they think they're on the right. He will write, you wake up in the morning, this is my roommate. He will have his uh, prayer list of those he's praying for. And my name is boldly written on top. <laughs> and on, with, you know, the dash, and on the side, God give him God's love in his heart. So when I wake up in the morning, I look, I see that I don't have God's love in my heart. He's right there. And I felt like I was, I'm going to kill this guy one day. But I will, I will repent afterwards. I'll kill him. And one day, I was, you know, in my master's program, and I was in the, in the place where I was doing my research, giving the, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, treatment. That's what we call it. Treatment to the animals I was using for research. And, 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 and all of a sudden, God, I could hear his voice. He, he, said, uh, he said to me, now I mentioned the name of the guy. He is now your Lord and Master. And I immediately replied without knowing. There was nobody there. I said back to him very quickly, no, anybody but him. He said, he's your Lord and Master. I said, no way, not him. He's done me so many wrongs. He talks about me around, and I knew it. And constantly, if I, if I sneeze, he was wrong for this fellow. He was that bad. And so I was bitter. He destroyed my car. I couldn't work. I had to pay $700 to fix that car. And when I told him, I told you the radiator was leaking and you need to put what I need. And I was upset. He got mad at me for being upset that he had destroyed my car. And made me to pay for it and would not talk to me because I was upset that he destroyed my car. So I told, I'm going to kill this fellow. And then God says, he's now your Lord and Master. And I said, no, anybody but him. Not, not this fellow. And God said, it's your Master. It's your Lord and Master. I said, absolutely not. He said to me, now I know he was speaking to me. We were arguing. He said that, when you close your eyes to sleep, who is the last person in your thoughts? I had to admit, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it was him. Yes, yes, you're right. And he said, when you open your eyes in the morning, who was the first person in your thought? I said, yeah, you're right about that. He said, even now, as you are giving treatment to your animals, who are you thinking about? I'm thinking about killing him. He said, didn't I tell you he's now your Lord and your master? I should be in that place. But he's taking over. He's taking over your life. And he's eating you. So I asked God for forgiveness. I prayed, I cried, I said, God, okay, give me something. What do I do? He said, you've been hearing him complaining. He's saying he needs 
tennis shoes. Buy him a brand new tennis shoes. I said, Lord, I just spent $700 to fix my car. I don't have, you want me to buy him a brand new tennis shoes? Oh, this is so unfair. How can I do this? And, and, and you know, Lord, you know, Lord, let me tell you something that you don't know. That he could twist this little buying of shoes and he would accuse me again for wrongdoing, for buying shoes for him. You know that? He said, buy him your, his tennis shoes. That's how I got free. I bought him the tennis shoes. I was shaking, thinking he's going to turn this around because if I sneeze, it was wrong. If I took my shirt off, it was wrong. I could never do anything right. So I gave him the tennis shoes and I was wondering what he was going to do to me. He said, you bought me these tennis shoes? I said, yeah, you, you've, been talking, uh, uh, you've been talking about buying uh, some tennis shoes. Uh, and uh, I figured, I saw this one in the... It was, you know, complete. I wasn't willing to, but, but God told me to. <laughs> I said, I saw these tennis shoes. You've been talking about it, buying one. So I just bought that. I took the size of your shoes. I bought one for you. He said, you bought me tennis shoes? I said, yeah. And I was bracing myself for the next accusation. He turned around. You bought me tennis shoes. I went and told uh, my third roommate. He said, uh, good luck. He bought me brand new tennis shoes. The other fellow went, why? (laughs) Because they've been observing what was going on. And then he went, I wonder why he did that. I said, oh my God, now he's going to start wondering why I did it. And the accusation was coming. But you know, he freed me. He freed him. We became so close so close. You know, I had no money. He graduated. He was a pharmacist. Started working. No money coming from home. I couldn't work. He'll come back from Augusta, Georgia. He asked me, what, you, what do you need? He'll buy the shoes, help me with rent, everything. We became, I gained my brother. Amen? I gained my brother. We became so close. Talk to Pastor Addison. Nobody knew we were having so much trouble. Because we became just, you see him and you see me. Everyone knew that. That's how freeing this can be. When you let go of forgiveness. Amen? He did realize that he wronged me. He asked for forgiveness because God created the situation where he had no choice but to beg me for forgiveness. He humbled himself. But only after I gave him that tennis shoes. He never stopped. Continued with what he was doing. But I wasn't bitter. And I just answered him very gently. Until the day came, God just blew it up in his face. And he had to admit he was wrong. I gained my brother. Amen? I gained my brother. And he was a major help for me until I graduated. He was there for me all the time. Coming from, I can't believe him. When he drives him, he had his BMW. At this time, he was doing so well. He didn't have to borrow my car anymore. (laughs) I could drive his BM, you know. That's how wonderful. Secondly, I guess I won't be able to finish the message. (laughs) Please shut the door. Nobody's leaving until I finish. 
<laughs> fear and faith. Fear and faith. These two things are opposed to one another. I call them moral enemies. They don't like each other. Fear and faith are like light and darkness. You can't have both of them in the same room. When faith lives, fear just like when light lives, darkness comes in. But when light shows up, darkness disappears. You can't have these two in the same room functioning together. But both of them carry something. And they are good at delivering what they carry. Faith carries and delivers whatever is carrying. And fear is the same way. They are both pregnant with whatever you are afraid of or whatever you are believing God for. And both of them will deliver without fail. If you have fear, whatever is causing that fear is what that fear is carrying, is pregnant with, and it will deliver it to you. The same thing with faith. Whatever you are believing God for, that you are trusting God for, and that you are not afraid of because you are trusting God for, that thing, you are pregnant with it in faith, and faith will deliver that thing to you. So you can have both. Remember, every time somebody comes to Jesus with a problem, Jesus will say, do not fear, only believe. Because if you have fear, you can have faith. If you have faith, you can have fear. And if you have fear, you are pregnant with something that you are afraid of. And if you have faith, you are pregnant with what you have faith for, and both will deliver. So we have to understand that. So we bind the spirit of fear. Faith is a spirit. And fear is also a spirit. 2 Corinthians 4.13 We also are having the same spirit of faith. 1 Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 13 We also are having the same spirit of faith. Faith is a spirit. It's a living being, pregnant with whatever you believe in. If you express fear, you got your delivery. If you express faith, it will deliver. You believe in your heart and you speak with your mouth and you're saved. Same thing goes with fear. You speak what you fear, afraid of, you turn it loose to give birth. You believe and you speak, and then you get what you, what you believe. Jesus said, if a man speaks to this mountain and has faith in his heart, no doubt it will be done. That's the principle here. So we must always bind fear. 
You see, there are words to breed fear. Seed for fear. And seed for faith. When the doctor gives you a word, that's a seed. When we give you the word of God, that's the seed of the word of God. Everything, when you receive a letter in the mail, that letter can have a seed for fear. Once you get through reading it, you got the seed now. If you stay with it, then you're pregnant with it. And if you keep it up, one day it will deliver. So we must stay with the word of God to cancel the fear. Because fear is a spirit. Now, Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says, For God, because God did not give you, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Again, fear is a spirit. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Many times I pray this scripture when I feel afraid. And sometimes it's groundless fear. How many of you have woken up in the morning and all of a sudden you're afraid of something you're not even aware of? That's the spirit. That's when to bind that thing. I bind you in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Wherever, whatever you are and wherever you're coming from, you are not going to get into my life. There's no room for you here. You bind that spirit of fear. Because if you release it, many people say, well, I woke up this morning and I was afraid. You shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have said that. Because once you start speaking it, you are watering the seed. I don't talk fear. It's not because I feel so confident. I just keep those things. And if it really bothers me, I talk to the Father about it. For my cure. Amen? To be healed from it. Fear is a spirit. But what God says He's given to us is also a spirit. The spirit of love, a spirit of power, and a sound mind. These are the cure for fear. So what should I do? I declare every time I feel that fear, I've got a sound mind. Can you say that with me? My mind is sound. And I'm full of power. Because I got the Spirit of God. And I'm full of love. I have a sound mind. That's the cure. It's spiritual. But the fear also is spiritual. It's called the spirit of fear. So I just eliminate that fear. Binding it. Telling it to get away from me. Because I don't want want it to deliver whatever it's carrying. That's not for me. Amen? That's not for me. There are a lot of people that are afraid of all kinds of things. Even before they get married, they're already afraid of divorce. No mates yet. They're already afraid of divorce. And they're already talking about it. I don't want to divorce. Why are you talking about that? You're not even married. You don't even have a girlfriend. What's the problem with you? But for some reason, Satan has planted that in your head. And by and by, they're married now, and the seed is already sown. And their fear has come to pass. You're still young. You're already thinking, I don't want to have breast cancer. 
Why thinking about, why are you thinking about that? Why don't you think health? Why are you thinking about breast cancer? It's not there yet. Why are you so focused on something that doesn't exist? Because Satan is directing your mind towards it so that he can create the fear of it. And then when he creates the fear of it, you open the door for that thing to attack your body. And because he's already prepared you, you accept it when it comes. It's the spirit of fear. So we must bind that spirit of fear. And every time it goes through your mind, casting down imaginations, taking into captivity every thought that is contrary to what God says. No fear of failure. So it mobilizes you so you can't even try anything. You got this idea that God is delivered to you, but you're already afraid it won't work. Who told you it won't work? Have you tried it? Why don't you believe God and step out and see what God will do? God will carry you. If He put that in you and you're thinking about it, He came from Him. He didn't just come from you. He came from heaven. Step out. Come out of the boat. Don't try the water. If you hold your weight, step on the water and walk on it. Instead of being afraid. Just stay with what God says and be afraid of nothing. Fear or faith. Every time fear comes, bind it. And whatever you bind on earth is what? Bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth is loose in heaven. Sometimes I hear Christians, Pastor, good luck. I'm struggling with a lot of unbelief. You said it. That's what you got. Unbelief. Bind it. Bind that spirit of unbelief. And declare like that man, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. No fear. Romans chapter 8 verse 15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. So what is that saying? Fear is the spirit of bondage. You are still bound if you are afraid. If you are afraid of sickness... You are bound with the fear of sickness and the spirit of sickness. It will deliver. Declare what the Lord says. Believe what God says. We walk by faith and not by our feelings, not by sight, not by how you feel. We trust in God and in God alone. For we did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, But you have received the spirit of adoption whereby you cry out, Abba, Father. You know what? Whenever you allow fear into your life, you can never truly recognize God as a father to you anymore. It's hard. That's what he's saying. You can't cry out to God, Abba, Father, anymore. Fear is taking that away from you. You are a family member, but you don't feel like a family member anymore. You can cry out because of the spirit of fear. But he says you did not receive that spirit. So if there is a spirit that is causing you not to be able to recognize that God loves you and that God cares for you, that God will take care of your need and really stand out for you and go all the way with you, if you have that, then what you really have is the spirit of fear, the spirit of bondage. 
That's why. And you can't be in bondage and still be a child of God. If the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. So when you got fear, you are still in bondage. And no child of God should be in bondage. So you got to bind that and say no to it. You cannot have me. God did not. Where did you, where did that, where did you come from? <laughs> oh, forget that. You are not for me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. No weapon means no weapon. Every tongue that rises up against me in judgment, he says, you must condemn. This is the heritage or inheritance of the servants of the Lord, God himself saying, this is your inheritance. The servants of the Lord, and God declares, their righteousness is from me. So they are not depending on their own righteousness for this thing to stand so that no weapon formed against them will prosper. They are depending on my righteousness that's in the life so that none of these things, nothing anybody says, nothing any demon says, no matter how hard they plan, it won't work when you recognize who you are in Christ. That this is what it is. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. We did not receive, we have not been given, we did not receive the spirit of bondage again. There was a time we had the spirit of bondage before we knew God. Before we could call God our Father, we had that spirit of bondage that created fear and all of that. So we did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. We got the Holy Spirit now. We should have no fear so that we can freely call to God, Abba, Father. And He hears us every time we call. Every time we call. In Isaiah, He says there, will a woman forget a suckling child? God said, yes, maybe that could happen, but not me. I'll never forget you. I have engraven you on the palm of my hand. So you are dearly loved by God today. If you have any fear in you tonight, this is the night to get rid of it. You know why? Because God will confirm his word with signs falling. Whatever you are afraid of. Sometimes we are afraid of what's going to happen to our children. I don't like that. My children, no drunk driver can touch them. They'll find another way. They can't kill them. You got to believe that. I don't have to sleep wondering, Oh, I hope my child is okay. Oh, Lord, help us. No, he's okay. We got so many angels all around them, everywhere they go. Why? Because he says, because you are a believer, read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, because you are a believer, your children are holy. They may not act holy, but God said they are holy. And if God said they are holy, who are you to say they are not? God said they are. So I accept it. Even though they may be acting crazy, God said they are holy, and so they are holy. Let God be true. Every man a liar. Stand up with me tonight. I still can't finish my message, Angela. Thank you. And I know you love me, so I'm coming home. I'm coming home. We may fight, but I still love you and forgive you. (laughs) Oh, yes. 
Let's talk to our God tonight. And this, you know, we're joking, but this is very serious matter. And God ordains you to hear these words tonight. So that through the words of God, as your mind is renewed, your life is transformed into the image of our Lord. Because we look at His word, the glory of the Lord with open face, and we are being transformed into the image of Him from glory to glory. You are being transformed tonight. We don't even have to pray. Because the Bible says you are clean because of the words that I've spoken to you. And those are not my words. We shared scripture tonight. And because you've heard, faith is in your heart. Because it's the word of faith that we are preaching. According to the word of God, think about what I'm doing. I'm declaring. Because we are speaking the word of God tonight, there is already faith in your heart. And the, faith, the word of faith is already in your mouth. And as you begin to speak the same thing, fear will vacate your life. Those horrible things will vacate your life. Poverty will vacate your life because these things are not right before God. God will not want his child not to be able to pay his bills. That's not the will of God for you to be afraid, scared, running back and forth. God loves us. He'll take care of us. I'm a father. I want to do my best for my kids. He is the heavenly father. We are evil according to the words of Jesus. He is the good God. He'll take care of you. God bless you. We're dismissed.